This is the day where we celebrate the birth of the New Testament church. You know, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter 1, he says, hey, I'm going to be going, but there's going to be another. I'm going to send a gift to you. We're going to talk about that here in a second. And so go to Jerusalem and wait. And so this is 50 days after the resurrection, which is Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. And the Holy Spirit came and fell, and, uh, and the world has never been the same since. And so today is the day that we celebrate this. This is, here we are seven weeks after Easter. Praise God. Happy birthday, church. This is great. Uh, today we're in part three of this series, and we're looking at what the Bible says about Holy Spirit. And so we've spent some time already correctly defining, or for some of us, we've been redefining some terms that have to do with Holy Spirit. And the reason that we've had to do that is simply because some of us have been exposed to kind of maybe improper or incorrect teaching about Holy Spirit. And uh, some of the, the traditions that many of us have in our Christian background, some of them, have nothing to do whatsoever with what the Scriptures say about Holy Spirit. And so that's why we've been looking at these things, defining them or redefining them according to what the Bible says. Uh, and some of us have kind of been maybe because of the packaging and the presentation of Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, some of us have maybe been turned off to that. And so there's no reason to be turned off to the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit. We just look into what the Bible says and believe that and live our lives according to God's holy word. Amen? And so some of us have, have had negative experiences and some of us have had zero experience whatsoever. You have no reference for the Holy Spirit. Maybe you didn't grow up in church and, and uh, this is, you've never heard anything about Holy Spirit. Or maybe you grew up, grew up in a church where they didn't talk much about the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit. And this was the exact same case that we see even in the early church in Acts chapter 19 when Paul went to Ephesus and he got there and he met some, some people there that were new Christians. They were new believers and he says, hey, have you received the Holy Spirit? And see, they're already born again. They're already saved. But they, he says, have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? And they said, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so today, we're going to be talking about another term that sometimes has had some misassociations with it and some mystery surrounding it. And that's the word charismatic or the word charisma. We hear that word associated a lot with things to do with the Holy Spirit. Some people think that charismatic means, like, we have drums and loud worship. Uh, some people think that charismatic means, you know, the style of the, the preacher is really dynamic and loud and, you know, well, he's a really charismatic preacher, you know. Some people think it has to do with, like, handling snakes and weird stuff like that. You see any snakes around here? If you do, let our ushers know we're going to get them out of here <laughs> right now. But... Some people think that, you know, we've got these associations, but charisma, charismatic, it doesn't mean any of those things. If you really look at what it means, it has nothing to do with any of that, especially the, the snake part and the weird stuff. But last week, I read this passage to you from Ephesians chapter 2, and Paul tells us about a gift that God wants to give us. And I just want to say, isn't that a good thing when God wants to give us good gifts? He gives good gifts, and I want them, and it's an amazing thing. So the first gift that God wants to give us, and if you're, if you're you know, a church person, you've been in the church any amount of time, this is going to just like, some revelation is going to come. The gift of eternal salvation. The gift of eternal life. 
You never imagined that. I was going to say that. No, but seriously, that gift is available to every single person. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. What does it say? It says, for the wages of sin is death. Yeah. Why did I stop there? What an awful word to stop on. In other words, if we don't receive this gift, if we don't receive it, then this is the scenario that we end up in. See, there's a penalty attached to sin. There's a price that we have to pay for our sin, and that price is death. But see, Jesus didn't want you to have to pay that price. So the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Jesus paid our sin debt for us. Isn't that good news? Yes, that's a wonderful gift. Eternal life, salvation, is a gift that you can't earn. You can't deserve it. There's nothing that you can do to earn the gift to get it. And then after you've got it, there's nothing that you have to do to keep it. I think a lot of times that's kind of like inferred in church world is that, oh, you come on to the Lord. Come to Jesus. Just come as you are. But then immediately as someone gives their life to God, then we're like, well, now you've got to jump all through these hoops in order to keep your salvation. Maybe we don't say that, but it's kind of inferred. But that's not the case. There's nothing that you can do to earn salvation to get it. And you don't have to do anything to earn it to keep it either. The next gift that God gives us is the gift of Holy Spirit. Post-resurrection, here's here's one of the things that Jesus said, the last things that he says to his disciples before he ascends to heaven. He said this in Acts 1. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. Now, this is not talking about salvation because Jesus had already paid the price for salvation. He'd already given that gift Now he's talking about another gift he wants to give to us. And he says, you've heard me speak about this. John baptized with water. And see, that represents repentance and our being raised from from death to life. That's eternal life. That's the first gift. But Jesus says, in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is making a clear distinction between two different experiences here. These are two separate baptisms, two separate experiences. And next week, we're going to have a special guest in the house. And we're going to talk a little bit about the baptism of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit baptism. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be good. I'm going to be here. It's just we're also going to have a special guest. So today, let's talk about another gift that God wants to give to us. And that's where the word charismatic or charisma comes into play. Charisma is a Greek word. And so it's, you know, big $5 word here. But if we look at what the original language of the New Testament was written in, it was written in Greek. So it's kind of important sometimes to go back to the original word so that we can get the, the better meaning for us. Because sometimes things get lost in translation, even in English. You know, I, I absolutely love and thank God for all the, the translations of the Bible that we have available to us. But sometimes we need to dig a little deeper, see what the original Greek or the original Hebrew says, and here we see that uh, charisma, that word, means that someone acting crazy in church. No, I'm just kidding. No, it doesn't mean that. Uh, What it means is it just means spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. God has some spiritual gifts for us. Another translation is that it is a divine endowment or a divine enablement, a God-given enablement. Spiritual gift. Unfortunately, the same issues that we have today that the early church had back in in Acts chapter 19 about not knowing who the Holy Spirit was or there even was a Holy Spirit, this is kind of the same issue that we have in the church today 
with spiritual gifts. A lot of people in the church today are ignorant about spiritual gifts or they've had bad teaching or bad presentation of operating in our spiritual gifts. And it wasn't, it's not just for us. The early church dealt with this same thing too. As a matter of fact, in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, he said this. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. So God thinks it's important for us to be informed and knowledgeable on this topic. It's unfortunate, though, that there are lots of people in the dark when it comes to charisma. There's some confusion in the church when it comes to spiritual gifts. There's some doctrines out there that even say that when the last apostle, when the last disciple of Jesus passed away, when he died, then signs and wonders and miracles and spiritual gifts moved on too, and they kind of faded away. And that uh, doctrine is called cessationism because these people believe that the gifts, miracles, signs, wonders, they ceased. And so these are the same people that are trying to tell you that it's Yanny and not Laurel. And so you can't listen. You can't listen to this false doctrine. Seriously, though, uh, I, I do want to say this. Uh, my brothers... <laughs> My brothers and sisters in Christ that, that identify with cessationism, I love them. I, I love them very much. I, and in addition to loving them, I disagree on this doctrine. Uh, I disagree with them on this doctrine. Uh, I still love them, and my belief on this doctrine does not make me better than them, and it doesn't make God love me more than he loves them, okay? I just want to say that, because I kind of grew up in a church uh, where... It was never said, it was never said ever, but whether it was inferred or I just felt like in some way or another, because we were Holy Spirit people, I felt like we were like had this spiritual superiority to other believers. And that was wrong. And again, no one ever told me that, no one ever said that, but for some reason, there was just this kind of air and attitude, and not with everybody, but just with some people, and there would be snide remarks that would be made about other brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and as, a, as a kid, you hear that, and you grow up in that, and you start thinking and believing that. But I come to find out that uh, Holy Spirit, being, me being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than them. It makes me better than me. <laughs> and so uh, it's not about, you know, well, God doesn't love them enough because they don't have the Holy Spirit or they don't, you know, believe what we believe. None of that. But uh, I'll say this. If one miracle has happened, if one sign, if one wonder, if one spiritual gift has been exercised since the Apostle John passed away in about 100 AD, then let me tell you, spiritual gifts and signs and wonders and miracles are for today. They haven't, they haven't passed away. They haven't ceased. If we look throughout church history, we see all kinds of historical record of signs and wonders and miracles and spiritual gifts being used. If we look throughout the world today, we hear reports daily around the world of miracles happening. And if you look throughout this room today, and we have eyewitness accounts of the miraculous happening, I'm telling you, the spiritual gifts are for today, they have not ceased. Now, I realize some people are not turned off by the truth of this, 
but they're turned off by the presentation and the misassociations with spiritual gifts. A lot of people don't have a problem with the gifts, but some of them have a problem with one gift. Oh, I'd love to have the gift of faith. Oh, I'd love to operate in the gift of mercy. Oh, I'd love to, you know, operate in the gift of helps. But that tongues business? I don't know about that. You know? And so... Uh, what's happened here because of just ignorance about tongues? When I say ignorance, I don't mean that in a bad, slanderous word. I just mean like not knowing, not having the correct information. Because of unbiblical teaching and demonstration sometimes about the gift of tongues, people have avoided it. They've been afraid of it. And unfortunately, some people have even called it demonic. And I believe that this is a tactic of the enemy to keep God's kids from receiving all the good gifts that he wants to give us so that we can change the world around us. The enemy has caused some confusion and chaos in our camp concerning the gift of tongues and maybe some other gifts as well so that we would reject them. And so Satan wants us to think, well, I don't know about the gift of tongues. I don't know about all that tongues business, so I don't know what to believe about the other gifts. So you know what? Let's just not talk about that altogether. Let's just skip over that parts in our Bible. But hear me. You don't ever need to avoid, you don't ever need to be afraid of something that God wants to give you. Because God gives good gifts to his children. That's what James chapter 1 says. James, the brother of Jesus, says that the heavenly Father from above gives good and perfect gifts. So we shouldn't treat anything that God wants to give us as repulsive. What we should do is say, God, if you have it, I want it. Can you just say that with me right now? Say, God, if you have it, I want it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says this. He says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. So if you're a Christian, then God has some spiritual gifts for you. The power of God and the gifts of God, the spiritual gifts, are for every single believer. Why? So we can have wild and crazy church services? No, it's not why. It's so that we can help each other. That's what it says right there. So in other words, the gifts have a purpose attached to them. The thing that's going to make our church great is obviously, yes, we're going to give honor and glory to Jesus and we're going to love God passionately with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. But in addition to that, what's going to make our church great is that every single one of us is going to tap into spiritual gifts. It's not going to be built This church is not going to be built on my personality. It's not going to be built on Jamie's personality or Russell or Renee or whoever or Aaron or Logan. It's not going to be built on our one personality. It's going to be built on the gifts of the Spirit being in operation in every single one of our lives. There's about 27 spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament, and there's no way that we have time to cover all of those in in, in an exhaustive way or in in a minor way. But there's a lot of great resources out there to do some study on your own. But let me give you a definition of what a spiritual gift is. And this is a definition I heard someone say, and I thought, well, this seems very biblical. And so this is a good working definition of a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability 
Basically, that means that when you're using one of these gifts, you know that it's God working through you. It's not just about a natural ability or talent that you have. It's God working through you that God gives to each of his children. Does it, not to some of his children, but to each of his children. So that together, in other words, we all need to be using our gifts. Why? Because we're a body. And you might discover, well, like I'm a hand. But guess what? A hand floating around by itself is kind of creepy and doesn't really can't do anything. It just sits and just sit on the table. Hand needs the arm. And the arm needs the shoulder. And the shoulder needs the torso and it needs the rest of the body. We all need to be connected together. We need to be working together so that we can advance his purposes in this world. See, God has something for all of us to do. We're on mission. But in order to fully accomplish that mission, then we need to discover the unique gifts that God has given us. And I just want to do this right now. I just want to honor all of our dream teamers. Because these are people, these are people, anybody that serves in Seeds Church in any capacity whatsoever, anybody that serves out in the community on behalf of Seeds Church, they're part of the dream team. And these are people that are using their gifts to live on mission. A lot of them aren't even in the room today. Some, several of you are. That's great. That's wonderful. But a lot of them aren't even in here. Some of them are down the hall in Seeds Kids. And some of them are leading worship right now. And others are, are giving a lesson. Some of them are sitting on the floor with, you know, uh, with a huddle of, of you know, fifth grade boys. And they're listening to prayer requests and teaching them God's word. Some of them are holding babies right now so that it can be quiet. Yeah, praise God for that, right? Yes. Thank you, Brother Michael. That, we need to give honor for that. Some of them are holding babies right now so that we can have peace in here and that we can focus. And all the mamas of young babies right now are like, yes, amen, glory to God for those people. So we can lean in to what the Holy Spirit's wanting to do in here. And what's happening in here is no more spiritual than what's happening out there. What, what's happening in the kids' hallway is very, very supernatural. And the people that are holding doors and making coffee and leading worship and on the prayer team and using your spiritual gift can look like all kinds of things. Technology on the production team, all kinds of things. And why are we doing all these things? So that we can advance the purposes of God here in Middle Tennessee. This is a foundational principle that we see in the New Testament. It's a foundational principle here at Seeds Church. I mean, for goodness sakes, it's our very mission statement. We exist to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what he called them to do. <clears throat> so how do we do this? How do we operate in the gifts? Well, the very first thing that you've got to do is discover you have to discover the gifts God has for you. Let me say this uh, again. A spiritual gift is not a natural talent. It's not just that. Romans chapter 12 verse 6 says this. We've got different gifts according to the grace given us. Well, that scripture's not up on the, on the board there, but it, the word gift here in that verse, the Greek word is charisma. We've got different spiritual gifts, different divine enablements, According to the grace given us, that's the word, Greek word charis. In other words, 
when you're operating in one of these gifts, there's something especially exciting about it because you know that it's not just your natural ability. You're partnering with the power of God. You're, you're like, God, what are you doing? You can do it through me. I'm going to partner with you. I'm going to be a vessel that you can operate through me to affect change. And God's gift, it's his gift working through you by grace and kindness. It's, those two words are kind of uh, interchangeable in the Greek for the word charis, grace and kindness. You didn't do anything to earn the gift, in other words. It's God's gift. He's operating through you. It's not your ability, it's his. And oftentimes, when you're using that gift, you might find yourself doing something that you've never done before. And the first time that you ever do it, maybe the second or third time you've ever done it, you're like, I don't know, I've never, this is, I, this is not what I would normally do, but I feel like something on the inside of me is burning to step out and do this, and you do it, and it's amazing, and you're like, wow, that was awesome. Or you might find yourself, you're about to, to do something, but you do it a little bit differently than what you would normally do it. And because of that, you get different results. You get God results, and not just you know, Jerry results or JD results. You get God results. It's awesome. When you're using your gift, you're also going to find a joy in it that is very similar to, but also different in the satisfaction that you get when you do a job well done. It's similar in the sense, you know, when you, when you do a job well done on a project of some kind and you finish that and you're able to walk away and you're happy with it and you've, you've poured your, your blood, sweat, and tears into it and whatever, the, whatever project it is, it's done and you are happy about it, you're like, wow, that feels good. That feels really good. That's awesome. So it's similar to that joy, but it's also different in the sense that um, it's like, wow, that was awesome, but that wasn't me. That was God working through me because I know that I'm not that good. <laughs> and, and so you know that God gets the, he gets the glory as a result and not you. When you do something in your own power, you step back and you go, oh, wow, look at that. Hey, everybody, look what I did. Isn't that cool? But when you do something you're using your spiritual gifts and you do something in the, in the power of God, you step back and go, hey, everybody, look at what God did. And let me tell you, that's way more better. That's way cooler. That's way more exciting to be able to partner with what God is doing because he does things that we can't do in our own power. There's all kinds of things that we can do in our own power, but they are not really life-changing things. They don't really change my life. They don't really change your life. But when we partner with the spiritual gifts that God has given us and the power of God, then that's when life change really happens. Psalms chapter 139, Psalmist said, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. See, that's the part right there where, you know, men and women differ a little bit. You know, any guy can walk up to a mirror and go, yes, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, am I, aren't I? You know, you'd be like 100 pounds overweight, and you're like, look at this glorious thing, you know? But all the days 
are ordained for me. They're written in your book before one of them came to be. What does the truth of this passage show us? That God's design in me reveals God's destiny for me. Let's read the scripture again. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. That's God's design in me. And what does it reveal? All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That's God's destiny. So how do you figure out what gifts, what spiritual gifts God has given you? Great question. I'm glad you asked. This is actually one of the things that we cover in DNA. We sit down together and we take a personality uh, you know, test and we figure out how did God craft and make our personality. And then we take a spiritual gifts assessment and we try to look and say, oh, wow, these, by answering these questions, this leads to this and this leads to that. These are the this is the beginning, and I'm not saying it's an exhaustive list and that it's like, you know, if you've taken that test, boom, it's set in stone. These are the gifts that you operate in. You don't operate in any of the gifts. That's not what it is, but it's a, it's a launching pad. It's a catalyst. The next DNA that we're having is Saturday, June the 16th. You can go on to seedschurchtn.com slash DNA, and you can register for it now already. And this is one of the things that we're going to do. It's, it's a launching pad to walk in this journey to figure out how did God craft and create me and design me so that my destiny can be revealed. So after you discover what the spiritual gifts are, then you develop the gifts. You develop the gifts God has given to you. And the way, uh, what you see here is as you change and mature into who God created you to be, you're going to find out that the way that you use the gifts sometimes are going to change and mature as well. It's just like we grow up in our age. You know, The older that you get, you can actually do things that you couldn't have done when you were younger, right? And so as you mature, you may find that you're operating in more gifts than you were you know, years ago. Or you're operating them in a, in a stronger, more powerful way, in a different, different way. 1 Corinthians 14 says, follow the way of love. So love is our motivation and it says, and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. That means even the ones you don't have yet. Even the ones you're not operating in yet. Once again, it leaves us in the position of saying, God, if you have it, I want it. Some of us here, you know that you have spiritual gifts. But for some reason or another, circumstances of life, you're not operating in those gifts. You know you've, you know you've had them, you, or you felt like, well, I had those and I don't have them anymore. Let me tell you, they're in there still. They might be lying dormant, but I want to tell you, do not give up on the things that God has placed on the inside of you. Do not give up on the way that he crafted and created you and his destiny for you and the way that he wants to work through you to change this world. Don't give up on that. God can still accomplish the purposes that he's planned for your life. Right now, we're in Murfreesboro. Hopefully, all of you know that. <laughs> if you don't, raise your hand, and we're going to come to you and pray for you right now. Um, we're in Murfreesboro, and if we wanted to go to Gulf Shores, we'd go over to I-65, and then we'd start heading south. 
and then we'd go through Birmingham, and we'd go through Montgomery, and then we'd exit there on that last Montgomery exit and get off on that highway and start headed the Gulf Shores. Now, if you decided, instead of going over to I-65, that you're going to go to I-24, and you're going to go to Chattanooga and go to Atlanta before you go to Gulf Shores, that's going to take you longer. But you can still get to Gulf Shores from Atlanta. You can still get there. Don't feel like because that you've, you've, taken, you've taken the wrong road that, well, I can't get to where God wants me to be anymore. No, you can still get there. Listen, if, if anyone has written extra chapters in their book that God has written for their life that he didn't ever plan for them to be there, me, I've written some extra chapters that, chapters that he's never intended for them to be in my book. But the wonderful thing is, is there's always room for one more chapter for God to write. I thank God for that. So, listen, whatever road that you're on right now, whatever chapter that you're writing right now, I want to encourage you to do this. Do what Paul told Timothy. This is what he said in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. It's already in you. You just need to stir it up. Feed that flame some fuel. Get it some oxygen so that... You can use the gifts God has given you. I know that this is going to be, again, just mind-blowing revelation to you. But the reason that God gave you a gift, a spiritual gift, is so that you would use it. If you didn't know this about me, I like guitars. I like them a lot. I like acoustic guitars. I like electric guitars. I like bass guitars. I like amps. I like pedals. I like every, I even like the cords, the, the quarter inch cables, the instrument cables that you plug into them. Like, oh, that's a, we were talking about cables this morning, weren't we, Jeff? Yeah, so I love that whole world. It's great. And, and I'm a, I'm, I collect a little bit. I'm not, I don't have an exhaustive collection or anything like that, but when I can afford it, I like to get things and collect them. And right now, I think I've got somewhere around 11 guitars and three amps and 25 pedals, and I love that stuff. I love it. It's great. Some of you are like, I don't understand. My, my dad asked me growing up, when I first started uh, getting into playing guitar, you know, I got this one guitar for my 15th birthday, and then I was already dreaming about what I was going to get next. And he says, why, why in the world do you need another one? You've got one already. I just don't understand. I said, Dad, why do you need more than one golf club in your bag? He, he shut him up really quick, but anyway. <laughs> but I like this stuff, and I like to hang on to it, and I like to collect it. And a few years ago, I received an early inheritance. And the, the, the inheritance didn't come in the form of dollars, but it came in the form of a 72 Strat. Now, again, some of you are like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Some of you are like, I have no idea what that means. Let me just tell you, it's awesome. <laughs> that's all you need to know. It's awesome. Yes, Brother Rick, thank you. Preaching to the choir over here. Well, here's the thing. It's worth so much, and it's not just worth a dollar figure. There's also some sentimental value attached to it as well, passed down and through the family. I never played it out. I never played it out of the house. You know, I'd have it hanging up in the house. I might plug it in and play it in the house, but I never played it out of the house. Well, one day... Some years ago, I was getting ready to play a worship set with a friend of mine 
who is an amazing guitarist, very well known. The guy's name was Dave Beagle. And I'd played with Dave before, and I'd been in worship services where I'd seen Dave play. And, um, you know, so we got some time before rehearsal starts, and I, I see him opening up his guitar case and getting out this Stratocaster that he played every single time that I'd seen him play. And so I said, Dave, tell me about your gear, man. Tell me about this guitar. What year is it? And Dave says, it's a 68. I said, are you kidding me, man? It's a 68? Do you know how much this thing is worth? You're playing it out? Aren't you afraid that something's going to happen to it? And Dave said something to me that just really kind of rocked my world in that moment in a good way. And he said, what's the point in having it if you don't play it? You know what I did? I started playing out my 72 Strat. And I found out how much fun it was. And it wasn't just fun for me. It was fun for other people, too. Like, oh, wow, what is that guitar? That's awesome. It was really cool for other guitar players. that They knew, they could, knew what it was, and they, we could strike up a conversation. It was awesome. So that really liberated me. And so let me tell you, when, when it comes to your spiritual gifts, don't just be a collector. Be a player. God gave you these gifts with the intention that they wouldn't just sit over in the case collecting dust, but you'd get out and you'd play them out of the house. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Is this not the prayer that we pray around here all the time? I mean, what do we pray around here all the time? We say, God... We ask you to bless us abundantly. Not, God, so that we can be spiritually fat. God, not so that we would hoard your blessings. But, God, as your blessings flow to us, they would flow through us. It's okay for you to be excited about that. Listen, you're not on the planet just to wake up tomorrow morning to go to work so you can have to pay bills. You're not on this planet to be your kid's chauffeur and just make sure that they get everywhere where they need to get. You're here to make a difference. And that might mean that it means you're making a difference at 6 a.m. on Sunday morning and you're unloading a trailer. It might mean that you're making a difference by holding a baby or opening a door for someone or praying for someone over here on the prayer team or making coffee. Or it might mean that you're making a difference because you're preparing a meal and or maybe you're planning to stay overnight at the Stepping Stones safe haven. It might mean that you're making a difference because you see that girl across the counter from you behind the register and you know that she needs prayer. You're here to make a difference. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this foundational message, God. Thank you that your power is real. God, I thank you that every single one of your gifts are wonderful. God, we eagerly desire these gifts. Thank you that you give these to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And God, we pray that you would empower us, that you would enable us, that you would baptize us with your Holy Spirit so that together we can accomplish your purposes on the earth. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us fan into flame the gifts that you have given us. If you're here today 
I want to tell you that the very first part of this journey is receiving that first gift that we talked about, the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation. And if you're here today and you say, J.D., I, I know I'm not right with God. I feel like I'm far from God. I want to tell you, you don't have to leave here today the same way that you came in. You can receive the gift of eternal life. You can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can receive your spiritual gifts. But it starts with receiving that first one. Everybody just close your eyes right now. If you're here and you say, yeah, J.D., that's me. I know I want to be right with God. I want you to... I want to invite you right now, just right in this moment, I want you to pray with me right there where you're seated. You can just pray this. Say, Jesus, thank you for taking my place. Thank you for dying so that I can live forever. I believe that God raised you from the dead and I want you to be in charge of my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your Holy Spirit to live in me and enable me to live my life the way that you always intended. Amen? Would you stand up with me? I just want to pray again right now. Next week, next week we're going to be talking about Holy Spirit baptism. But I just want to pray right now. I think there's faith in the room right now. I think there's faith in the room right now. Some of you have not received the gift of the Holy Spirit. You've not, re- you've not walked into your spiritual gifts, and you want to be baptized in the Spirit. And so I just want to pray for you right now. And if that's you, I just want you, it just as, a, as an act of faith, I just want you to put your hands out like you're about to receive a gift from the Lord. God, I thank you that you see every person here in this room today. You see those of us that have been far from you but are now close to you. And God, we thank you for your gift of eternal life. We thank you for the gift of salvation. And those of us, God, that have already had salvation, but now, God, we want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or God, maybe we feel like we've had that before at one time in our life, but we feel dry. We're asking you now to fill us up. Fill us up. Baptize us. Immerse us in your spirit. Right now, I just pray, God, that by faith, in the same way that we receive our salvation, I pray that there would be people in here today that are asking to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would give it to them now, in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you that we receive it by faith. We receive your Holy Spirit by faith. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to empower us to be bold witnesses and give us power so that we can be witnesses in Murfreesboro and in the whole state of Tennessee and in all of the United States and wherever our foot touches on this planet Earth. Give us your power. Fill us with your spirit. Help us be bold witnesses. Help us operate in our gifts for your glory to advance your purposes in the earth. Everybody said amen. 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 Some of you are like, some of you are like, I just felt something. I just felt something. Awesome. Some of you are like, I didn't feel anything. That's okay. 
You don't, you don't, it's not about feelings. Now, sometimes it, it, the feelings show up, and that's wonderful, and that's good. But I just want to encourage you right now. If you're like, man, I didn't feel anything. I wanted the Holy Spirit, but I didn't feel like, you know, a jolt of electricity go through me. It's not about that. You just keep thanking Jesus that you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're going to see things. You're going to see things start to change. And it might be in your bedroom when you get home tonight. And you're like, God, I just want to thank you. Before I go to sleep, I want to thank you that you gave me the gift of the Holy Spirit. And who knows what might happen right before you go to sleep? Who knows what kind of dreams you might have tonight? Who knows what kind of power you might wake up with tomorrow morning? It's going to be good. Jesus is building something great here. Hey, my friends on the prayer team are down here on the side like we do every single week. If you prayed today to receive the the gift of eternal life, I want to encourage you to come down here and meet them and just say, hey, today I prayed with JD. We would love to meet you, to get to know you. And if you've got any need in your life whatsoever, you didn't come down here earlier for prayer. Don't miss this opportunity to agree with another believer in prayer according to God's word concerning the things that are going on in your life. Because when we pray, we expect to see God move. And sometimes that happens in a moment, and sometimes it happens over a long period. But we continue to have faith and pray and believe that God hears our prayers and that he is at work. Next week, special guest. We're going to talk about Holy Spirit baptism. Sign up for DNA. You can do it now. SiegeChurchTN.com slash DNA, June 16th, this Saturday morning. As we walk out of here, we're not leaving church. We are leaving as the church. And so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God the Father, and may the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.